Show presents Scratch It Trailer. The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a band. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. Started out as a game. Which track on the album would you scratch out if you had to? Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scratch Track Podcast presented by The Dude and Grim Show. I'm The Dude. And I am Grim. And today we are going to discuss a real gem and a real classic, American Beauty by The Grateful Dead. A beauty. You could, it's just a beauty. Yeah, I mean, it, really it really is. is. It is. But it is a beautiful album. Yeah, it doesn't have to yeah. be American, but you know, it. it, it they're yeah. American, we're American, it kind of makes sense. Definitely not today's America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, true. Okay. But anyways, before we get started, just want to remind everybody that, hey, give us a like, give us a subscribe, uh, give us a follow. And if you're on YouTube or if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, you know, it would really go a long way for us and our future. So, yeah. Yeah. Because that's really just, this is this is a yeah, we're we're not banking on just there. today here. This is this is a no. long this is a long game. You know, exactly. So. The long game. Yeah. We're in for the long run. Like, you know, I'm going to keep rocking and rolling. What does Dirk Diggler say? I think we just keep rocking and rolling. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. After he wins his, his first award. AVN. Yeah. Best, best cock or whatever it was. Cock of the year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, we're off to a blazing start here, ladies and gentlemen. So yes, the Grateful Dead's American Beauty. Um, one of our favorite albums. Now, I I kind of think I brought this one to the table. Oh, you absolutely. No, okay. no, no, absolutely. I mean, if I was going to give a, a shout out here in two letters, it'd be TD for the dude, because this was absolutely one that you brought to the table. Because uh, no. I think at that time, at least in my life, the only... The only bit I had of the Grateful Dead was, I think, like some sort of double best of. And, you know, there were Rick's tracks. Picks. Yeah, yeah Dick's not Rick's. Dick's Dick's Dick's. Dick's. Yeah. That's mine. That's my version. Yeah. Oh, OK. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, I Dick's didn't. Picks. I guess I can't say that I, I had this album in its entirety and I only knew a few cuts off it because of that. And yeah, you uh, you threw this album out there. And I mean, it was a. Uh, it was a real big one for me. Still is. Yeah, I I remember. I'm at that point. I'd had um, touch of gray, um, and of course, I the the name of that album eludes me. But I'd had that. I'd known that song, and I, before that, I never really knew much about the Grateful Dead. It wasn't what I thought it was. You know, it, it's it just funny you say touch of gray. I, I judged them by the I judged them by the name a hundred percent. Now I got to add that to the sheet for a little side, uh, some side episodes that are coming up uh, next year. Uh, But Touch of Grey is a very good one because there was a pretty good video that went along with that song. And maybe the Grateful Dead's only MTV music video. Um, But at any rate... 
that video was, I mean, anyone who ever watched MTV would probably remember that video. Yeah. Some would say the video helped make the song. Some say. Dude, we should also look up and see if Macy Gray did a cover of Touch of Gray, because I think that would be... (laughs) Dude, we're getting close to Fifty Shades of Gray at that point. Yeah, yeah, Let's just... Let's make a note, everyone. Make a note. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, I do remember uh, that was kind of my introduction to the Grateful Dead. And then, you know, you and I really got into flower power and all that kind of shit and started doing research. I was really into the doors and I started acid. getting more into the six. Yeah. Acid. <laughs> and I, I started uh, doing a lot of uh, reading and getting books. And of course, you you can't read about. Um, oh, actually, I think it was the book, and I have it somewhere around here. I want to take you higher, and it's basically the history. Oh yeah, of I remember that. I remember such that. such a good book. And the Grateful Dead was a huge part of that. They talk about San Francisco a lot, and so I kind of started doing a little more research. And I think through some of my reading, uh, they mentioned two albums: uh, Working Men's Dead and then American Beauty. And so I went to Circuit City or Best Buy or wherever it was. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get both of them because they're probably that good. And I will say of the two, I do prefer American Beauty over Working Men's Dead. There there are good songs, but I I think and they talk about this. You know, there's this great documentary uh, classic albums called Anthem Anthem to to Beauty. Beauty. Yeah, it's on it's on Amazon Prime. And one of the things they really discuss in that documentary is the, the maturity of the band during that time. They had been going through a lot of stuff. You know, Phil Lesh's father passed away. Yeah. They owed they owed Warner Brothers like two hundred thousand well, dollars. And did you read that <laughs> apparently Mickey Hart's dad was like their pseudo manager at the manager. time. Renewed the contract with Warner Brothers just before they were gonna do this album and then like skipped town with a bunch of their money. Dude. I was just thanks, Dad. One, yeah, yeah. Well, Thanksgiving's going to be really interesting this year. I love you, Dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it could be a little awkward. A little awkward. Yeah. And I haven't done any follow up to see if they, you know, kind of mended fences or anything yeah. there. But something tells me it would take take well, a lot for, for that. You to know, happen. another thing that's interesting about those two albums is is that's noted as being those two albums specifically were noted as being this really prolific uh, writing period where Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter uh, collaborated a lot on the writing. <laughs> And, and, you know, in the, in the documentary you mentioned, Robert Hunter is, is in the documentary a lot. And he, uh, yeah. I, I really, I, I like what he throws to the table and the stuff that he oh, helped yeah. write. I mean, it's, it's really good Dude, stuff. Those, those songs are just beautiful that he is, is such an amazing poet. And, and I, I think he was from what the little bit I did look up on him, I think he was also a musician as well, but and you would almost there's a part of me that thinks you'd almost have to be to kind of yeah. fit certain words and vocal patterns into songs. Well, and, but but at um, the same, or if they shaped it around it, I don't. I don't yeah, know. I don't I know mean, because you look at look at Elton John and Bernie Taupin is probably the best example I would argue in history of like a musician and a songwriter who teamed up and came up with amazing stuff. And I don't know. That You're top amazing and, dude. <laughs> another Wayne's World. I just reference. had to work it. Dude, I had to work every it every episode, <laughs> Wayne's World is coming up. 
But yeah. I don't I don't know um, that Toppin was a musician. If you ever watched the movie Rocket Man, he's not. And not that that's like you know the true to life biography line for line. But it, it doesn't portray him as a musician, and and I think some people maybe just can can write this poetry in a way uh, that that goes with the music as the musician mm-hmm. as it comes to them. Sure. Well, even I myself have a few songwriting credits to my name: "Idiot Child," "Getting Fucked Up," "Cup." So, uh, which I mean, which you could probably hear, you will hear as the intro for a lot of our. Um, uh, getting fucked up yeah that's that's really that was prolific yeah i you know i just think my writing career peaked too early it yeah just, <laughs> well, it did. So. yeah that and the world just wasn't ready but back There's to the that. songs on this album so yeah. the majority of them were written by jerry garcia and robert hunter and one thing that i found interesting is there's a handful of them on this album so friend of the devil comes to mind to me ripple um broke down palace and even addicts of my life um and the 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 thing that gets me about those is they're they're not but when you listen to them the way they're recorded the way they're written it would almost feel as like these are some sort of traditional american folk songs that the grateful dead repurposed for this album and and they weren't but they have they have such a classic feeling to me that that reminds me of some of these like traditional folk songs that like for example bob dylan would would redo or something something like that it just it kind of evokes that sort of feeling i i think at least it always did for me as the listener yeah well and it is funny because i and i forget who says it in the documentary maybe it's bob could be Bob Weir or Phil Esch probably he's like well, well Jerry loves a sad song <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah yeah and and there are there are those songs I I don't want to call them me- like they're melancholy but there there's the songs have some depth and sort of maybe I don't know if I'd say remorse but there's this just this definitely deep introspective yeah introspective for sure yeah, yeah. and. Uh, just some really, really beautiful songs. And um, they. this was also kind of a different album for them. Um, a lot of the songs are, I mean, there's songs that are upbeat, um, but there's a lot that aren't necessarily what you call jammy. Because even at this point in their the career, great. this was... This is their fifth studio album, but they were they were not known for being like, you know, hey, I'm going to go pick up the new Grateful Dead album. That was it was it was their live show, their tours, the acid well, yeah. test stuff. That was that was what people really really um kind of gravitated towards and even joe smith he was the, uh, the head of warner brothers or in charge oh of the yeah music division. yeah you know, he, he was like can you guys do something under like 45 minutes with I, melody? and i think i <laughs> just to honestly, get on the radio i think he offered a lot of great stuff in that documentary because he came at it from this different perspective and he was like everybody at warner brothers was like terrified of the grateful dead just yeah, because yeah. of the name, the image that went around him with the skeletons, and the fact that I mean, like you know, they were all um, yeah. not um, unfamiliar with uh, the drug culture, right? So, yeah. so they yeah. they had them as a band because they probably wanted that demographic, but they were terrified. And I love when he says that. They brought this album and they played it for all the Warner Brother execs, and people were like, like moved by it. 
because it's because not what it was they just expected. No, it was it was you know it's beautiful. It yeah, really is. Yeah. Well, one thing that one thing that Mickey Hart says too is. Uh, he's like, he was like, it was kind of great. He was like, cause the record company and the people in charge were, they were too afraid to come around the studio because they couldn't eat or drink anything. Cause they were afraid it had acid in it. Yeah. And uh, so they just left them like, alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and one thing, one thing that they did negotiate when they were doing their record contract and, and it sounds like it was unprecedented for the times and I'm sure is today is unlimited, unlimited studio, studio time. And they wanted to go in there though. And they wanted to kind of do it themselves and figure it out. They didn't want anyone else really, you know, making their sound. They they wanted to figure it out. But there were some producers and yeah. engineers who I think took part, but they also like went through producers and oh, engineers. Oh, because they Cause got people, sick of them. They just, they couldn't just, they just, they were too wild. They were too crazy. And, well, and there were some stories in there that I really like. Um, one of them was, I think, think it was Phil Lesh describing how he wanted Addicts of My Life to sound, which okay. I, I okay. think is is a very good description, but he wanted it to sound like a thousand petal lotus opening. And, yeah. and that's a beautiful description. And to me, that song does sound like that. Have and the been. other one sure. that I know you're going to talk about is, is what is it? Bob Weir. Bob Weir, like, thick air. I want the sound of thick air. <laughs> Definitely. Well, then there's also another one, and uh, who who says it? Oh, I gotta. F- I, I have it in my notes for each individual song, so if I can't find it here, but basically, um, he wanted to take. It was Phil Lesh. He was like, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna drive out to L.A. and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna record thirty minutes of of you know heavy air in L.A. Yeah. Then we're gonna go out. To, then we're gonna go out to the desert." We're going to record 30 minutes of clear air. We're going to mix that together. And then we're going to use that as the rhythm track for the song. <laughs> like, dude, and, dude, I've tried to do stupid shit like that. And I can tell you, it would basically be like, yeah, well, I mean, and like there's going to be that, nothing. And, and then, well, I guess with the LA, there'd be a lot of cars and shit too, but that'd be about yeah. it. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they ever fully implemented that, but I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, know, so. I, so one thing that I, I thought was interesting is, and I, I guess I disagree with this ranking. Um, and granted, I don't know what the, uh, what the criteria was for doing this, but apparently when they did their um, 500 greatest albums of all time, this album was only ranked number 258 out of 500 on, on Rolling Stone's list. And I, I'm sorry, like, I just don't buy that. Like, um, to me, especially, I, I guess it's hard when you take in everything from, like, the international scope because there's a lot of yeah. great stuff that came out of everywhere. Yeah. But to me, this is better than that. Um, th- this is, this is uh, top of the heap for me. Well, it's one of those things, especially, you know, you, you figure you'd give an iconic band itself just kind of like a higher ranking. Like, I hate to say it, but, you know, you, you would almost prioritize, well, this this band is amazing. They have a phenomenal album. That They're more important maybe, in history. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe a little a little higher. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, it definitely. Yeah, 
I mean, I'd love to see that list and I could look it up right now, but I don't want to. So, yeah, um, yeah that's fair. but, but it, 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 it's such a beautiful album. It also is very reflective, I think of that time period. And, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just really well done. And it's interesting because they, I think when they were going in the studio, they, you know, they, they did go for more of a kind of a softer acoustic feel that this oh, yeah. the harmony the harmonies on this album are just absolutely gorgeous the the yeah. way that they're all yeah. their voices work and play together um they just Very do an well amazing done. amazing job amazing job so um and i think somebody uh somebody from some publication said that somebody from somewhere yeah, said that this was their studio masterpiece. And, and I would agree with that because, like you said, not necessarily a studio band, not known for that. Um, it just it, that yep. just wasn't them. They, they're, you know, their their bread and butter was the, the live the live bit. And, and so for yep. them to have this, it is kind of um, it's really cool in that in that regard. Yeah. And they I mean, a lot of the songs people would know uh, are, are on this album. I mean, a lot. I mean, the, the, Truckin' was the only single that they released. Uh, yeah, which is uh, surprising. Off, off this album. Um, but it, it's a good radio song. It yeah. moves. Oh, um, sure. So when you I, think I, about classic I, yeah. rock radio, there's maybe this and one to two others that could really pull it off. Yeah, yeah. I think Sugar Magnolia, maybe Friend of the Devil. People know that song. Yeah, um, those are those are the, I think the three ones I think most people are probably familiar with. But yeah, um, yeah. But it did reach. So it peaked at thirty on the Billboard two hundred. So it. I mean, it, people bought it. People knew of it. But I think over time, it's one of those things that's really gained a lot of steam, and people appreciate it. Uh, definitely appreciate it much, much more. And I guess who, so they did have unlimited studio time, which I think they probably used a lot for, for working man's dead and just, just yeah. kind of around that time. But um, they released this album. It almost like, I, I think they said it was almost like four months after working man's dead came out. Like yeah. it was very quick because uh, I think, like I said earlier, they were in debt to Warner brothers and they needed to get out of it. They had a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, you know, uh, uh, they were charged with uh, possession, I think, in New Orleans, and I guess Warner Which is Brothers trucking. Yeah, yeah. yeah Warner Brothers that. had to uh, had to bribe Jim Garrison, who's the DA of New Orleans at the time, to to get him out of it. And Jim Garrison's he was the the DA who brought like in the JFK assassination. Yeah, he, he brought um, you know that that to trial. So um, kind of interesting that story because you know. I had only known Jim Garrison from like the movie JFK when that whole story is told, and you hear he's yeah, like, so in your mind, bribes. he's Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, he's clean, right? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. good. You know. So, anyways, um, well, what do you say, Graham? Should we uh, get into the album here? Yeah, yeah, I think right. that's. Uh, okay. I think that's a good idea. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I'm going to let you kick it off because I know that right. that the first song on the album is always i i would argue maybe your favorite um yeah it it definitely was and that's in and, and that's one thing um you know when i when i got the cds and i i put this album in and i just the way boxer rain starts i was just like whoa i i love this already like mm -hmm. it, it, like it, it just it, it has such a good fresh start it's 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 upbeat 
Um, but then you listen to the words and it, it took me a while. And I think it, the documentary really sheds a lot of light on it. It's, it's mainly about Phil Lesh's father who was dying of cancer at the time. It's, it's, it's kind of about that and coming to terms with that as like a young man. And yeah, and um, he was driving back and forth a lot, um, as, yep. as it says to see him. And, and I think that, that he said that that really prompted a lot of the feeling and, uh, and even the lyrics in the song. Absolutely. And, and I think the song is really, um, it's, you know, it's, it's deep. And I think kind of like you said earlier, this is, this album has a lot of introspective moments. This song certainly, certainly hits that, but it's also, it's to me from a recording standpoint, it's, it sounds, it's a very polished song. Like everything Mm -hmm. sounds, it sounds very full. It's, it's there. And, uh, you know, Robert Hunter also helped, uh, write lyrics, I think with Phil for the song. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how, you know, it's hard to say where duties were split up, but yeah, sure. Um, but just just some really nice poetic touches from from Robert Hunter on the song, as as you would expect. Well, yeah, and and it's funny because the the not just this song, but the whole thing does sound polished. And and I'm always amazed when you listen back to these. And again, the nerd side of me is like, how the hell did they do this with probably only eight tracks to work with? Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's really impressive uh, that they can that they can pull it off. But absolutely, it is it is. So, friend of the devil, friend Friend of the devil. Um, Again, this is one that I said that in my mind, if you didn't know any better, you would think this is some sort of a classic folk song that they reinterpreted. Yeah, Uh, it's just. Uh, it, it tells an interesting story of kind of like somebody on the run and um, obviously has a lot of baggage wherever they're going. It seems yeah. like based on the lyrics. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because it, it sounds like from some of the lyrics, too, it um, it sounds like it's it's also about a guy and he's got he's kind of got some ladies, I think. In well, some that's, what, that's what that's yeah, that's yeah. what I was getting into. Yeah. <laughs> OK, all right. That more of that on the run as opposed to kind of like the trucking uh, trucking on the run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I like yeah. it because it's the the first I think Gris David Grisman, who played mandolin on the album, on the, oh. I, I believe two songs. Um, yeah. This song uh, in Ripple. And I think that that part yep. is really integral to me to the sound of the album yeah and and the the Uh, songs that they put him on was great and i love the story of how he ended up on the album is that he like went to san francisco to hang out with jerry garcia and they were at a softball game yeah Yeah, they were the grateful dead versus the jefferson airplane airplane probably because they used to do that shit Yeah. yeah and he's like oh hey man you should just come and record on on these tracks and and then lo and behold you're you know, just happened to be on one of the best albums ever. So that, yeah, that's not bad either. Well, 258 of 500, according to Rolling Stone. So let's not get ahead. But he, you're right. His, the, the parts that he puts in on uh, friend of the devil and then it gets in and then ripple as well. It does. It, it just, the sound of the mandolin, man, it's beautiful. It makes the song. It, 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 it gives that American folk. Yes. Song that, that it's yes, just, it does. It, it's, it's timeless. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's great. Um, and then you got Sugar Magnolia, which Magnolia. which goes into a different, more of a more of a straight ahead rock song. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is, and um, it's definitely more a B. And now, now this song is, it, I find it interesting. The first three songs now we have Box of Rain, 
I believe is sung more by Phil Lesh. I think yep. he takes the lead. And then Friend of the Devil is but more by Jerry. Now there's harmonies and stuff throughout yeah, and backing sure. vocals, but they're the leads. And then Sugar Magnolia is Bob Weir. So it, it's not they split up duties and, and I it, it gives um it gives a nice variety to, to but, their and sound. And that kind of reminds me of like how the Beatles would do things where they all sing, but typically like the guy who wrote the song is is like the main the main singer. Absolutely. And, and so this song obviously is a, a, about a girl or some sort of relationship. So, I mean, yeah. lyrically, I, I think it's just a nice kind of upbeat song. But one thing that I'm quite sure as I listen to it, I would need um, I would need clarification. So if Bob Weir, if you want to comment on the video, that would be great. But it sounds to me like he recorded his guitar through a Leslie organ speaker. Okay. Um, which I should have unwrapped mine and had the thing spinning, but it's, it's basically a spinning, it's, it spins slowly and it kind of, and if you listen to the guitar part, it just kind of has this constant, like, like slight change that goes throughout it. And that's a technique that a lot of people have used. Um, and I know that we'll get into it on other albums, hint, hint, Mm -hmm. exile on main street. Um, but uh, it, it gives the guitar a completely different sound when you record now, it that, through the, the Leslie organ yeah, speaker. Right. Now, is that because there's um, I noticed on this song, this song, there's a lot of uh, a lot of acoustic guitar, a lot of mandolin, a lot of piano. Um, but and they do have some electric guitar in, in some Wait, songs. You're talking are, Sugar Magnolia? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking just the album in general. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just talking the album in general. This this album. Um, it, 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 you know, it has those, but there is, um, you know, the, the, I find the electric guitar in some of the songs, it's very almost subtle in a lot of ways and kind yeah. of like in, in the, in the background a little well, bit. It's not and in I your think face. that, that when you record it like that, because of the way it splits the frequency and only the high end goes through the, the spinning horn, which is typically what you record, I think it does soften the sound. And I also think they use that same effect on Addicts of My Life, I think. Okay. And, um, yeah. And I think there might have been, I don't know if it was Addicts of My Life, but I think one of them, they also did some vocals through a, through a Leslie speaker. Oh, really? But, okay. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. I'm trying to think of what song, what song that would be, but... I know there's. I think addicts of my life, but I'm not. Is that what it is? Okay, I think because that just has this, this like thousand petal lotus, just lotus, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Then we get to uh, operator. This is Ron Pigpen McKernan's like kind of. This is his baby, Um, and And the only one. I think the only one he wrote with the with the group. it Before he died. Been, yeah. Yeah. He passed away. And um, I'm not exactly sure how he passed away, but in the documentary, they kind of, they allude to him being sick. So yeah, um, I, I would say maybe it's some sort of cancer, unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, he, it's interesting because you know, he, he sings this song and it has a, I mean, again, dude, this is the first four songs of the album all sung by different people. I mean, yeah, the, the lead part. Cool. And yeah, really yeah cool. it's very cool. And and, they, and he does a great job for, I, I think this song is very, you know, 
he may not have a wide range of where of how he would be able to sing, but this song it it, it fits, fits in it, it real fits well. What, what he does, um, it and, is one uh, of my favorite ones on it too. I've always loved the song, just right. the way that intro, that guitar intro plays against the chord that comes. I mean, it's it's really good. Well, it, it, the thing that's funny for me from a I guess what the song is about is you know it's about kind of a guy trying to track down a, a a girl it's like operator you know he wants to like get her number but but then i think back to the you know to the 60s and the late 60s especially when you have you know all these parties and beans and you meet people and people are you know crashing on people's couches and 20 people are staying in a house like dude a lot of those people probably didn't have there was like maybe one phone in the house and i'm sure nobody knew the number uh you know it's or it's like you meet somebody at a party it's not like today where you're Hey, give me your cell or you give me your IG oh, yeah. handle, you know? So it's like, it's, it's harder to, to kind of stay in touch with people and think about how, how many, well, how many children <laughs> were probably, you know, like conceived at parties and things like oh, that yeah. because people are having fun and they're, you know, smoking and drinking and dropping and, uh, just having a good time. And then, and then it's like those people, boom, you're out, they're out of your life. It's like, how do you find those people again? It's not yep. like that, you know, what well, was it on Craigslist? It used to be like, Oh, you know, misconnections, dude. Misconnections. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Where yeah. was that back then? Like, yeah, I know so, <laughs> it was yeah. just like so one is, of those little things at the grocery store where you like pull a number off, you know, yeah. on the bulletin board. So now, basically what I'm yeah, oh, this is, this is, this is pig pens. Like I, I, I kind of dumped pig pens, beautiful song down to Craigslist mits misconnections. Well, so. <laughs> that's actually kind of awesome. And yeah. it does prompt the second one from this episode of a spinoff, the song operator, because you may know of another very famous song called operator by a little gentleman named Jim Croce. So just saying That'll come up at some point. We already added it to the list. I don't know if you heard me typing, but it's already on there. Welcome to the rest of your life. (laughs) Dude, I hope so. Well, then we wrap up side one um, with uh, Candyman, which is actually it's it's like over a six minute song. It's it's pretty longest on the album, right? Yeah. Is it? I I believe it is. Yeah, it is. Um, Candyman. And that's that's one. Jerry always loved a sad song. Well, you it's know. interesting because I, 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 listening to the lyrics of it, I, I tried to kind of figure it out a little bit, and Candyman doesn't seem like a good person. No, he, <laughs> I mean, he actually, I think it's like about a pimp or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it's like you know, pretty lady ain't got no friend till Candyman comes around again. Yeah, and it's yeah, it, it doesn't sound doesn't sound great. <laughs> Um, or, or it was, you know, about a guy, a, a pimp or even like a drug dealer, just or somebody who yeah, like yeah, comes sure. back into the, the woman's life, feeds them a little bit, gives them what they need and then is, is off again. So, um, and it's interesting. They do give Robert Hunter, um, writing credit with Jerry on this song, but, but to me, it doesn't have Hunter's kind of touch of his, the, the, the kind of imagery that he typically conveys and, and whatnot um, the, of throwing in a lot of nature and imagery and stuff like that. So I'm not sure how much he had to, to do, but he is given some credit for it. So, um, but good. 
Well, I was just going to say my search engine isn't working at this time, but this may be the third the third instance of where this spawns a spinoff because I'm also Jesus I also Christ. believe that there is a song of a very similar nature um, um, by Chris Christopherson. Well, we can only hope. Yeah. So anyways, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, with uh, with this song, you know, this is a more of a Jerry led song. Uh, again, they really utilize their harmonies, which is uh, oh, basically a, a staple man. throughout Damn this. It. Sugar, eh, close enough. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but there is, and there's also like a really great organ part in it. Oh um, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, pig so pen the, shining through. Pig pen, pig pen. Um, and I think Jerry plays what is he, he plays the pedal steel guitar it's pedal yeah steel, the pedal steel okay. and and that comes up several times on the album and that's one thing that was mentioned is that um, in lieu of a lot of the real like psychedelic or I mean a really great guitar player um, but in lieu of like your traditional guitar solo that Jerry did a lot of pedal steel stuff on the album and and I think this song is probably the best example of it. And I think it comes up again on broke down palace. And I think till the morning comes and maybe even trucking. I mean, I, there's a lot of it on there, but this example, I feel like it really shines. And I think he actually does a solo on the, uh, or a bit I, of a solo on the pedal steel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I say we flip the record grim side two for you. And, uh, we start side two off with, uh, I'm there with, with two songs that are very much similar, they're, they're yeah. slower, uh, but the first one being Ripple, um, which I, to me, it's actually it's a great way to start the album. It's it's very oh. or start the second side. It's very uh, different than the way you start side one with um, with with Box of Rain. But, you know, again, yeah. Ripple and, 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 and who's the gentleman that plays mandolin? I forget his name. David um, Grisman. David Grisman. Fantastic yes. job. Yeah, he does. And I, and I, I love think, in the yeah, documentary, he talks about, he was like, well, if they would have let me come in a bar earlier, here's what I would have played. Dude, and dude, then dude, he, dude. he plays along with it, which he is He just cool. rips it. And it's great. Dude, he's, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's, he's, yeah. he's really good. And but I think yeah, Jerry right. did albums with him later on. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, Jerry Garcia and Grisman, I, I think they, they, did, uh, they, they did at least one or maybe some more albums together. Cool. But, yeah, it is. It's a, it's. It's again a very folksy song. Jerry sings it really gently, and I found it interesting in the in the documentary. Some some people had issues with the way Jerry kind of sang. Uh, on, on, I, which I, I don't get. It, it, it's it's such a distinct voice. I it's different. It's very yeah. it's, it's, it's different, but it it sounds the the quality I think matches perfect. perfectly with, with yeah. the music. It's uh, perfect. So, so you people obviously don't know what you're talking about. No, no. I mean, I mean yeah, let, Rolling Stone. Yeah, let me know when you guys start the Grateful Dead. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on to song two, uh, "Broke Down Palace," and I believe, at least the last time I listened to, it, I never noticed it before, but I believe it kind of transitions almost right right into it. I believe um, that is correct. Yeah. yeah so, um, and it's again another gentle song. Um, but it's it, again, you're hearing that introspection and that maturity of, of yep. the band and, you know, got the acoustic, there's piano in there again, a lot of harmonies. good harmonies. Oh, yeah. uh, dude, the harmonies are just, yeah, they're killer. Um, 
But my favorite line from this song is, listen to the river, or listen to the river to sing sing songs to to, to rock my soul. soul. Yeah, yeah. Just very good. Just, yeah, very, very good. Um, Then we move on, uh, pick it up a little bit. So we start side two, a little slower, but then boom, till the morning comes. And it's really upbeat. And and I I like that. I just like the the juxtaposition of, of those two songs then going into this one. It's great. Yeah, and I've always been a big fan of this song. Um, I think the harmonies are great, and, and uh, you know, it's it's got good lyrics too. But it, it to me, it's one of those ones you can really like sing along to. Yeah, you well, I, and and yeah, and def- yeah, it is definitely one of the songs you can sing along uh, along to. And um, the you know the the lyrics that have stand stand out to me are um, or or kind of what I saw the the, the meaning of the song again. It, I, it seems to be about um, sort of a relationship, but giving a woman, uh, being the man, giving a woman peace of mind that, Hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm always going to be here for you. It's like, I'll watch out for you. You're my woman now, you know, make yourself easy and, and yeah, kind of yeah. repeat, make yourself easy yeah. over and over. Like, Hey, I, I got this. I'm, you know, I got this. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah. like that. And then you get, you get one little, and I hate to use the word lull, but I mean, in the, in the musical sense, it, it slows way down, but a, just a beautiful song of the addicts of my life. Of my a really life. introspective, yeah. thousand petal Fair. lotus, the blossoming. Yeah, for all you yogis out there. Oh yeah, yes, dude. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're you're right, and and really, that's. I mean, I'm just trying to think. What other instruments are there in this? Song? I mean, it's just, the only thing the the. <laughs> Every the the vocals and the harmonies are just so in front that that's the only thing yeah. that really stands out to yeah, me. Yeah, and and really, I think there's like very very sparse, if at all, drumming. But it's mainly just that guitar, which again I believe is through the the slow speed on the Leslie, and then um, the bass. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's. But I think I think beautiful. I mean, what are the when there were no tunes to play, you played to me. I mean, there, there's just some really beautiful lines in that song. Yeah. Um, and then we finish up with another kind of rocking song, the single on the album, um, and uh, "Truckin." It's, yeah. Uh, it's dude. It's it's one of the most popular songs of theirs. I'm sure they probably play it at every live show that they've done. It's it's just uh, it's a really iconic song, and yeah. it it's it's. Uh, about life yeah, on just, the road yeah life on the road and all the stuff they were going through and just being kids and kind of yeah. being stu- stupid getting in trouble mixing it up and uh it's just so autobiographical that it's 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 yeah it's pretty great truly and and, and the, it, but also musically like the song just moves it's good like the you know yeah yeah i agree with that the, the music sounds like the title it, it just yeah. kind of chugs along and I, I really enjoyed um, in the again in the documentary, which you should watch, um, when Robert Hunter talks about like the additional verses he wrote that weren't in Didn't the song make it. or that yeah, yeah. That, I so think that I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, well, and to me, the classic line and something we always say is you know. Uh, from the song, it's sometimes the lights are sh- uh, sometimes the lights are, you know all shining on me. Other times I can barely see. Lately, it occurs to me, 
what a long, what a long strange long. trip it's been. I mean, yeah, and I think dollar, there's find a dollar for every time I said that. Jeez. Well, yeah, and isn't there isn't there like I mean, there's probably other documentaries and books, books and, and shit written about them Just with that, that title, the title. long strange that's, trip. I yeah, mean, that's yeah, yeah. that's like their that was like their life. Yeah. It's like they're dude. It's kind of like the wet bandits, you know, it's their yeah. calling card. The, yeah. the great ones always leave their mark. Yeah. Now we know uh, each and every house you've hit. <laughs> it's wet bandits. W- okay, so that's Wayne's okay. world and home. home alone. I worked in Boogie Nights early. too. Oh, you did. OK. Uh, All right. Th- yep. Yep. So um, who's on deck, Graham? We're about to scratch away. Oh, this one's dude. This one's, this, this this one's, one's real tough. I, I I actually sat there before we got on again, and I looked through it, and I was like, "Can we not scratch one?" Of this I, one? <laughs> well, I, and I started thinking about that too because I started going through them and be like, "Okay, well, not that one, and not that one, definitely not that one." Well, and then, and then the like one you, I finally came to, I was like, "I I would be willing to bet," you know. I don't have a lot of my 20 bucks that the one I pick will be the one dude picks. And I'm like, if this uh, goes to overtime, what do you do? I don't know, man. I, I so son of a bitch. Okay. Well, are you first? Are you going? I guess. Uh, All right, go. I'm going to scratch candy, man. Oh shit. God damn it. I knew it. I knew so it. That's the one, <laughs> you know, that's the one I'm going with as well. Um, oh shit. And give me your reasoning for it. Well, just because to me, and I like the song, don't get me wrong, but it, it at almost, well, six, six and a quarter minutes, it kind of drags and like, okay, so let's say theoretically side one ended with operator. That wouldn't suck. If you only had those first four songs on that side, that would be a legit side of a record. And it's just it's it's the one that like I could I could live without the easiest, not that I want to. So reluctantly that would be the one that I would scratch. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there for sure. Um for this for the same reasons really. It is um it's a it's a longer song. There's not a lot of uh, transitions where I feel like it's it's you know going different places and uh, to me nothing stands out I, I guess yeah. musically uh, is compared to some of the other songs and I think it would be cool to have um, side side one you have four songs all sung by different members of the band yeah so that's yeah. The, that's why I'd go with Candyman but. Well, son of a bitch. Now we get to the dreaded overtime. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make like a, a audio bit for that that right. we can be like overtime. So I can't wait. So by the time this episode airs, it'll be there, right? Overtime. So then, well, for me, it comes down to two songs. I think that I would have to scratch if there was no candy man and I would have to choose probably. And it's hard, man. It might be maybe broke down palace, either that or ripple. It's between those two. I think you can't do ripple. I know. God damn it, dude. I know. Um, I hear you. on broke down palace in order to avoid 
another lockup. We can't do the Islanders and Capitals game. So in order to avoid double overtime, I guess if I had to do another one, I'd probably do Sugar Magnolia. Okay. Not that not that I don't like it, but it doesn't. um, The other ones just have more of a special spot. Yeah. Okay. I can understand that. Um, I can understand that. Yeah. It's for me, I, I sugar magnolia would be tough, but it, it, the reason I kind of was either choosing between ripple and broke down palace is because you kind of do have two back to back songs that have the same kind of feel, feel to it. So that's, yeah, that's the biggest, but, but dude, ripples just such a, it, it, it is to me, it is like I, an American folk song. I mean, it, it, oh, it, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, but it's dude, this was a tough album. I mean, I will uh, agree. I think maybe the hardest ones. Well, dude. Okay, Dark Side of the Moon. Other than Dark Side of the Moon, I to me this was the hardest one. I forget all the ones we've done so far, but yes, there's been some hard ones. Well, I can pull up the list, but <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. I mean, just just uh, you know, quickly just doing a little browse. I mean. I, I think it was easier for me to do it probably on any other album that we've done so far. But this this one was real hard. Real hard. Real hard, real Chris. Hope you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, everyone. We appreciate you guys listening. We'd appreciate it even more if you guys liked, commented, and subscribed and followed. That would be phenomenal. So... Until next week, have a great weekend, stay safe, and don't do anything we wouldn't do. Which doesn't really rule a lot out. No, it doesn't. All right, guys. Peace. Scratch you later. Scratch a track is produced by the Dude and Grim. Additional music provided by more. That's dot, 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 M-O-R-E. And the Tins, T-I-N-N-Z. Copyright 2020, The Dude and Grim Show.